Hello and welcome to Peach Pod, a Georgia politics podcast. My name is Kyle Hayes and I am your host. And I sound like I'm in a tin can right now because I'm podcasting from the road. I'm actually podcasting from vacation. But Luke Boggs is holding it down back in the studio. Luke, how are you? I'm doing great. Have an exciting conversation for y'all. Luke is taking over the podcast today. He's got an interview to share with us with Tim Denson, an athens Clark County commissioner who is back for round two with Luke. Luke, tell us a little bit about that interview. Yeah, I think this is a really interesting conversation because one of the things we've seen a lot in, you know, the the Trump era and the, you know, I feel like the last four years are a lot of activists who uh, run for office and actually win and end up having to govern. And I think this is a really interesting conversation because, you know, Tim is someone who's been around Athens politics for a long time. He ran for mayor uh, back in 2014 and did not win and ended up starting Athens for Everyone, which was a, you know, uh, rebellious progressive group that you know really rallied about uh, you know against the powers that be and had a lot of complaints about how the process worked and how every you know everything in Athens was going and you know now Tim's been on uh, the commission for a couple months and this was a conversation I was really wanting to have uh, just to see how his perspective has changed and his approach has changed and I feel like uh, you know the principles are still there the reason why Tim got involved you know still driving him but uh, his approach has changed a little bit from even uh, when we talked to him a little bit over a year ago. So, uh, you know, you might want to re-listen to that conversation and then listen to this one because uh, it's an interesting contrast. But uh, I think uh, you'll learn a lot about Athens, but also just, uh, you know, activists and governing roles. And so it was a really interesting conversation. All right. Well, without further ado, I'm going to turn it over to Luke Boggs and athens Clark County Commissioner Tim Denson. Welcome back to the show. Glad to be here. Yeah, last time you and I talked, at least uh, on the on this program, we've talked many times since then. You were candidate Tim Jensen, yeah, and uh, yeah, about a week away from the election, I think. So right. it's uh, nice to have you now that you have actually been a commissioner. Uh, yeah. for a little bit. So, for a little bit. Yeah. I had a, had a nice, uh, nice uh, long little vacation period there in between the campaign and the actually taking office. But yeah, because, yeah, you know, for, for people who are in Clark County, uh, due to the brilliance of our state government, uh, we have our elections in May, and then the new commissioners and mayor are not sworn in until January of the next year. So, yeah. Yeah, long sabbatical. Yeah. But, yeah. you know, I guess it's good because you can really think about what you want to do. It's true. You have a lot of time to, to think about and learn. So, you know, I guess there are some positives. There are some but, positives, yeah. But, uh, I, you know, the place I would like to start just because I, I think this is of my own personal most interest what has been like your biggest surprise? Like now that you're actually doing the job, because I know you know you ran for mayor before, so you thought right. about like right. being in the Clark County local government for quite a while uh, before you actually got there. So what sort of surprised you the most? I will say, like I, I feel like I was prepared for most of it, just from going to so many meetings up to that, and yeah, running for mayor. Um, so I don't think there was any like there was any big surprises that I was like, whoa, which took me back. But there was. Definitely some of those smaller things. Definitely get used to of how much, uh, like how much the bureaucracy exists, and it's just frustratingly there, and you have to deal with it to do anything. You know how many uh, people I have to contact, and how many emails I have to send sometimes to the same person uh, to get you know any movement on 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 certain issues. 
Uh, you know, so Tim, are you complaining of a deep state? <laughs> <laughs> it's Clark County deep state. It's definitely not a Clark County deep state. It's just there's a you know the the whole the whole idea. You know that that government moves slowly and designed to move slowly is just uh, completely true. And and to make any changes to that so things happen faster, it, it takes a lot of slow work to even get those changes in place. So it's um. So that, that's been a bit frustrating at times, but I guess a frustration that I expected, but just a, it's a, there's more of it than I thought there would be. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, I'm, I'm happy that's, that's kind of like where you start, because that was sort of uh, my impression, too, because, mm-hmm. you know, the last time that we talked, uh, you and the other people running had a lot of big lofty goals sure. for what, um, you know, you guys wanted to accomplish. And so you've been in office, like, roughly eight months, right? Uh, uh, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. so on that front, like... What would your report card for you all in this new commission be? You know, because you last right. time you really laid out what you wanted to do. So, like, kind of where do you see things standing now? Yeah, I guess it would be uh, depend on who's giving the grades. If I'm giving myself a grade, I'm gonna give myself a pretty good one. Um, but I think I, th- I think that's another part of it too, right? Um, that I think I expected this, and this is one of the things that long term goals I'm trying to work on is the the transparency. And just the amount of knowledge information that's passed down to the public about what we are doing. So I think if you were to ask somebody on the street, somebody's even who followed my campaign or follows local government in, in general, and you ask them like, where are things on, you know, uh, criminal justice reform, or where are things on public transit? Um, they might think that not much has happened, maybe, you know, or, or not as much as they would want to. On the inside, though. Uh, Myself and other commissioners, we have a, you know, a lot of uh, a lot of things in the fire right now that we are working on that are very active, but that work is not done uh, very publicly. You know, very little of that actually like pokes its head above the surface during our public meetings or during public comment. Um, but we are like meeting with you know uh, the solicitor, meeting with district attorney, meeting with uh, you know uh, with judges and stuff, talking about the criminal justice reforms, trying to get things put in place, having conversations with the police chief, working on policy, talking to other communities that have policy. All this stuff's happening, but um, most of it happens below the surface, so people don't know. So I think that there's a lot more progress happening than most uh, would think. But we just really need to work on, uh, for one thing, just like working with community members on these issues, which is one of the things I've been trying to do on something like cash bail reform, working with organizations and advocates here to actually write that policy and have that passed so that, that we are having a little more community involvement. But um, there's a lot of work to do on that. So I would give myself a, uh, uh, hmm. You know, I'll give myself an A minus. I feel pretty good. I try to usually be a pretty humble person. I think I can say that still with humility. Um, but uh, there's there's definitely a, a lot more that needs to be done. I think we're just scratching the surface. So. Yeah. So, like, what what things that you and the new commission have already accomplished that you think most people like aren't aware of? Most people aren't aware of. Because, um, you know, the reason I asked that is after we did our last episode, uh, a couple of weeks ago, we recapped sort of how the new commission's mm-hmm. been doing, and you said that we missed some stuff. So, like, what kind okay. of things did, like, people oh, like us miss? I should, I should have listened to it, uh, yeah. the rehashing. Um, you know, one of, the thing, one of the things I'm most proud of is the, is the steps towards fare-free transit. While we haven't gone to a complete fare-free transit system yet, and I did not expect to in the first year, uh, or even my first what it would have been six months when we passed our first budget, um, was able to take a pretty massive step in what is we're looking at as a three-year plan towards fare-free. 
first year being that we um, go partially towards it so that all senior citizens uh, plus individuals with disabilities plus uh, all county workers can ride fare free now and that joins already of course University of Georgia workers and University of Georgia students plus all individuals 18 or under so at this point we it's a it's getting a very small cut of the pie that actually pays fares at all so I'm trying to take an incremental approach. Next year, what I'm hoping to do is to go uh, in that budget cycle, all nights and weekends free. So then another piece of the pie is taken out. And on that third year, finally going just towards a complete fare free, no longer have fare boxes, which lines up that we would actually at that point have to purchase all new fare box, a whole new fare system, which would be very costly in itself. So it's a very good time for us to go ahead and just transition away from fares. Um, so I think that's one of those things that this hasn't got out there as much. What I'm learning is that uh, once once the campaign starts, you kind of, even as a, as, a, as a commissioner or as any elected official, we don't have staff, of course, so uh, I still have to be doing my own communications. I can't be relying on the media to pick up on the things that happen in those meetings or on the county government as a whole's public information office to get the word out about what we actually did. So I'm, now I'm trying to focus on that more myself and pushing out that narrative, that messaging, is making sure that people actually are hearing about these things. It's like that one I thought was a huge change. Didn't make as big a splash as I thought it should have. Um, and therefore it means that maybe not as many people as could be are taking advantage of it. Um, so yeah, there's... Yeah, I always heard of that one. Yes. Uh, and, you yeah. know, since I am still somehow a UGA student and, you know, going for the quadruple dog status, mm -hmm. uh, I, I've been uh, blessed to have free transit pretty much my whole time in, in Athens. Uh, but, yeah, I, I at least noticed that that change had been been made, which I thought was interesting because um, I feel like fair free transit was one of the louder objectives yes. of the campaign from not just you but a lot of a lot of people mm -hmm. so i was kind of surprised at the incremental approach but you know you gotta govern responsibly now that you're in there yeah and so uh what what other issues though besides that that um other ones that yeah i don't think people have heard as much about um so uh this one's actually kind of recent uh with uh undocumented residents here in athens uh people were these people aren't allowed to have driver's license again due to state policy, state legislation, uh, barring them from being able to have driver's license if they're undocumented. And so then, of course, that does not change uh, the need of these individuals and families to actually have to have transportation. Public transit is trying to expand out there too, but still, there's going to be times they have to drive, and they do drive. That's, that's the reality, and that's one of the reasons, one of the best arguments I feel like that undocumented residents here in Georgia should be able to get driver's license because they're going to drive either way because they have to. So we might as well make sure that they have been trained, they know what they're doing, and they're doing it safely. So um, one of the things that we've uh, been working on is to have our police department's policy not arrest uh, immediately for driving without a license if an individual who doesn't have a driver's license can still prove their identity with some other documentation, such as a passport or something like that. So we've now, uh, Cobb County's had this policy for a little while now. Um, there might be other counties in the state that have it, but I'm not, not that aware of. Um, so we've finally been able to duplicate a similar policy to what Cobb County has now, so that if that's happening to undocumented residents, they're not going to jail, as we've, as we've seen in the past, having moms being arrested while their kids are in their back seat in car seats, then having to try to figure out somebody that can come get their kids, take them somewhere, because otherwise they're just stuck in the back of a car while the cops have it pulled over. Um, so trying to find a, a policy that actually benefits our community better, 
um, and is more compassionate. So we finally have that in the books, and I think that's one that hasn't gotten much attention, um, but there's been a, a big need for. Just last night, um, we passed a resolution that I wrote. We passed it unanimously, thank goodness, actually uh, condemning uh, white, superior, white supremacy and white, white nationalism and the political entities uh, that are encouraging it. Um, and, and therefore also making in that resolution that we support um, our immigrant community, Latinx communities, undocumented communities, and we'll be pursuing policies that, again, protect them, keep them safe, and make this community a welcoming community. Um, I'm hoping that will get more uh, attention as it goes forward, um, but it's another one we just did recently, too. Yeah, is that something that you seeing as a problem in Athens Clark County in a real way? or? So, really, the why I, I was really inspired to write that, obviously, is just like it's uh, it's a problem nationwide, worldwide, right. honestly. Oh, yeah. And what really, to me, brought it home wasn't that it necessarily happened, something happened here in Athens. Although, let's be clear, there are definitely, uh, we have problems with racism and white supremacy here in Athens, Georgia, as we do in all of Georgia and all the South, and I would say the entire country. There are spots of this where there, that's an issue. Um, so I think it needs to always be explicitly condemned, especially from whenever you have a government power, so that the, the whole community knows at least what direction we're moving. But what really brought it home for me, though, was the raids in Mississippi, which all happened uh, basically in the Jackson, Mississippi area. And you look at Jackson, Mississippi, um, it's a town not too much larger than Athens in in size, obviously uh, an older southern town that has uh, a reliance on the poultry industry, as we do here in Athens, and then have like a large Latinx community as they do there, as we do here, that work in that poultry industry. So whenever I saw uh, the video and the pictures, saw how they were focusing on those poultry plants in a town in the south that I've been to that I understand is very similar to ours, um, I was it was very easy for me to see that same kind of thing happening here in Athens. And I wanted to make sure that we were taking a stand before it could happen, God forbid. But also, I have been hearing stories from people in this community after those things have happened. This, was, this has been going on in Gainesville, Georgia, too where there's been call-outs at the poultry plants because rumors start spreading or there's afraid that, that it might happen that day because they saw that it happened other places. You never know. So they've been having call-outs, people quitting, not showing up. I heard a story about you know uh, a mother where they actually did have federal agents come to their door. Um, she had two children, two young boys. They were there, and she had to take the boys to the back of the house and ask them to be quiet and told them to be quiet and to hide. And they hid until they felt like it was gone. And, of course, the boys asked, like, what were we doing, Mom? And she tried to explain as best she could without trying to scare the kids. But to tell them what was happening. Then, like, three days later, they were at home on a weekend. And somebody knocked on the door, a neighbor. But, of course, the boys didn't know. The mom started going to walk to the door. And she said that her, her youngest son ran up to her and grabbed her leg and said, don't go. Don't answer the door, Mom. Don't answer the door, Mom. They'll take you away. Don't answer the door. Um, and that, those things are happening here in Athens. So that even if the actions are not yet taking place, and hopefully never take place here, um, the fear and the repercussions are living here in our community. And I felt like it was important at least to address those and to let those people in our community who are affected by those uh, fear and intimidations that, you know, we're not going to make those fears go away because of this resolution. But as I put it, like, at least that they will know that there's somebody else in their corner looking out for them, too. So, yeah. And, you know, 
it's it's being in the news for a lot of reasons, and so there the shooting in uh, El Paso yeah, and too, right. yeah that that happened around the same time. So mm-hmm. That's why I was kind of wondering if it was connected to that in any way. But, it was the resolution yeah. also addresses the uh, yeah the El Paso shooting too. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and what other significant pieces of progress do you you see that you know this new commission's made especially you know not to like dunk on the old commission but yeah sort sure. of like you know like what do people get for their votes <laughs> um of course we have uh, what has gotten some news like the prosperity package and, yeah how, um, how do you feel about that yeah um, definitely was a supporter of it from the get-go um when i met with uh, uh commissioner hamby to kind of hear his pitch and idea for it um so very glad we did it four million dollars once you actually start really you know putting pencil on paper you start to realize that four million dollars does not go that far no um if you really want to make that money effective i am not so certain so when we first were talking about it i mean there was a list of like 20 different projects we were saying that money would go towards but once i started really like thinking about started working on things and researching that four million dollars can't be spread 20 ways it just can't it's not gonna be effective um so i think at this point we have to figure out what few handful of ways can we use that money to be most effective? Uh, one of the things being talked about right now is um, uh, quality, affordable childcare. Uh, trying by doing that, you're actually helping you know multiple generations, the parents of children, be able to have more access to uh, their own educational opportunities and job opportunities. But then the children themselves are getting a quality, you know, uh, education at, its, at a young age in those in those formative years. That's been proven that you can actually. If you want to see a person's success, the most uh, you know predictive quality is what kind of uh, childcare education they, they get between the ages of uh, birth to five. So we could be helping that that younger generation too. So we're looking into ways that we could do that. Um, plus, possibly having a bit of a community outreach team that would be paid community leaders throughout Athens, so that when we have any kind of uh, issues going on or we need to get the word out about some kind of new policy. Uh, we'd have these these kind of community leaders all around who their neighbors know and trust and that they could easily uh, present those ideas, present that information, present those surveys, whatever it is. Um, they'll be more effective because it's coming from a person that lives in their community that they know. So we're also looking to possibly funding that um, and also hoping that we can bring more partners to the table with that funding, hoping that the University of Georgia will step up and match some funding, hoping that uh, but potentially the, the hospitals here in the region could, could present some funding to match up too, so that we could actually grow that bucket to be more than just $4 million. Yeah, and you know, my first reaction to seeing that, that package was, are, are, are we still in the days of Athens-Clark County coming up with 10 million plans and never doing anything, yeah. which is what we railed against for about an hour last right. time you talked yeah. with us. And so uh, where, where are we on that front? Do you, do, you, do you consider this a move away from the, you know, plans of planning and plans? Right. Or is this a, you know, new and updated 2.0? I think it's a 2.0. We're definitely taking a new, um, a new approach to it. So we're holding uh, the commission and the mayor are now holding these kind of actually a little bit more often than quarterly um, planning strategizing sessions. Uh, I have one tomorrow actually on the prosperity package. Um, in the past, the goals and objectives, there was one retreat at the beginning of the year. The commission presented their goals and objectives for the, for the year. The budget was based around that. They didn't meet the talk about it for another year until the next budget was around. There was no check-ins to see if those plans that they had brought up were actually being done. Uh, you know, a study would fall on their laps a few months later on that completely tied into maybe their goals and objectives, or maybe showed their goals and objectives were not correct. 
There was no time to address it, though. Right. I guess it went on. So I think, um, and this has been, uh, I have to give credit to this, to, to Mayor Gertz. It was uh, him being a commissioner for 12 years, I think, realized that that approach wasn't working. And they needed to have, we needed to have these check-ins happening quite regularly um, so that we're making sure that we're on still on this on the right path that we wanted to do and be able to, to you know to roll with potential changes so yeah this is going to be our third already um, just now September gonna be our third meeting that we've had for our strategy strategy session and I think that's a that's a bigger approach again another one of those things I think most of the community doesn't understand how different that is than the way it used to be and I think how much more effective it is and those meetings are public, so people can come and kind of see where those things are, hear what the real discussions are happening, and know when we get into the weeds. Um, so I think that's one of those big changes, and uh, I think it's very different than uh, what's happened in the past. Yeah, because yeah, I, I know when we talked last time, and just when we talk in general, mm-hmm. uh, we, we had talked about kind of the need for Athens to have a real, like, clear vision of, like, what the next eight years, next decade, next right. two decades looks like. And so, from at least my reading of Prosperity Pageant, if I'm wrong, please tell me, like, mm-hmm. that doesn't seem like it's that plan. It seems like oh, it's, yeah. a, it's a, this is a good plan, right. these are good things we should do, and we're happy to be part of it, but right. it's not that, like, big, all-encompassing plan. No, it's not and, at all. And, um... Is that coming? <laughs> is that being worked on? What's what's sort of the status of that? Because at least in you know, my view, to tell you where my, my frame of mind is, when I watched the plans of plans and the studies to plan and the studies to studies to plan, <laughs> yeah, you know, that yeah, kind of thing, yeah. like that seemed like that was kind of the goal of those things, mm-hmm. that like the all-encompassing goal is like we're going to come up with this plan for Athens, and it never really seemed like it did. Right. And I was just kind of, you know, uh, the 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 uh, sheer amount of just organizations within the local government doing planning seems mm-hmm. like it's gone down. So I wonder if that's because they're sort of you're, you know the backroom conversations that you've been talking about are more of like trying to focus those things so that you actually right. get results or kind of like where we stand on that. Yeah, um, there there definitely still is a lot of I think confusion and murkiness, which I mean that's one of the things I hate the most. I want to remove that from government. I think it's one of the leading contributors to people not trusting government, trusting elected officials. It doesn't make sense to them, and therefore it looks like, and sometimes it was, intentionally created not to make sense to people so they couldn't really understand what's happening, and, you know, then the public disengages. Yeah. Um, so, like I said, we're definitely still struggling with that issue. We do still have our, uh, you know, our comprehensive plan that we use for long term, but we also have envision athens which has been like a more of a community-wide long-term planning uh and then we do of course have like our uh our our short-term uh work plan that the mayor commission develops um we have our regional plan you know you do have all these different layers so it is it's very confusing and i could see why people would maybe want to have like one master plan that maybe all those things funnel into and potentially maybe that's something that we can do I guess in my head, but again, this is not something that's fair to uh, my constituents or just the public in general. In my head, I think I have a strong understanding now, and this took me some time to have, of like the layering of all those plans, where they plug in, how... Uh, well, to be, because I, I, I want to make sure I understand you. When you say you have more of understanding, is that that you actually have a clearer vision of what they are, and that doesn't mean you agree with it or disagree with it. You're just saying that you understand them, or now are you saying you understand why it's layered that way? Oh, so no. What I'm saying is, I, I do. Well, both. I guess I do yeah. have a definitely clearer understanding of what these things are. I get very thorough presentations given to me, and I, I'm able to ask questions to people who actually put these things together. So I do have a clear vision of each one of them, but I think I also have a clearer vision of. Um, 
in my mind how I prioritize them, mm -hmm. um, of how of their importance, of their actual effectiveness, of how closely they're followed. Um, you know, the fact that something like a comprehensive plan, we do treat that very uh, important, like as, as an important plan here in Athens, but it's also something that's just like mandated by the state. And a lot of other local governments maybe just kind of phone it in because they have to. So therefore, that's like, is like I have an understanding of like how that works. The, really, the one I look at is uh, the short-term work plan, which um, is a very large document um, that I would be happy to share to anybody who ever wanted to see it. But you probably don't after you'd see it. You, probably re would, you, would, re you would regret it. Um, Probably it's probably like uh, it's like an eighty-page spreadsheet. Oh, okay, that's basically. actually less than I thought. It is, but it's like but it's a spreadsheet. So then every channel you can like open up and like read more into things. And uh, every one of those little uh, you know, channels on there is being changed. They overlap. Um, but the way that's created is through all of those strategy sessions that we that the commission's been having. And this goes back years, not just the current commission. So it takes on what the priorities and goals and what things were actually followed through on last year, the year before that, going back a number of years, actually. And then we put down our long-term plans. Those things get overlapped into it. And uh, then we have you know, the county manager's office and staff kind of, it's a bit of, it's a, bit of a, a larger like roadmap, so they can kind of follow where we're at. And then we check in every year, like, do we still want to be pursuing that thing? Are we now changing our approach when it comes to public transit? One of the things I've been pushing against is on unpaid inmate labor, uh, which up until this year, um, was a thing that was um, applauded, I would say, uh, from the local government's viewpoint because it was extremely cheap and economical. Yeah. Um, so it was actually on our short-term work plan as this thing of like, how can we take advantage of this more? And then so that I came in with a few of the other commissioners, like Commissioner Parker and Commissioner Davenport, and we kind of put the brakes on that. Like, no, we actually this needs to take a different approach now. So we drastically changed the language of those ones. Um, so it's kind of a living, breathing plan that's never going to have a an end. It's a, a kind of thing that's, that grows while the commission grows and moves while the commission moves. Again, I think that uh, that's a difficult thing to be able to um, to get across to just the people who even want to follow local government of how that works, though. I mean, especially since yeah. it is a living document, kind of. Um, and then you do have all those other entities that do still exist and they do cross over into it. something like Envision Athens it's been a little more public but yeah it's a uh, I could see the benefit of us having like this is the plan yeah all these other plans maybe help us get to this plan but this is the plan um, and that I guess at this point that would probably be say it's the comprehensive plan um, but uh, I, yeah. I think you've been consumed by the planning. <laughs> so, it's, uh, thankfully, it's not us. I say, like the short-term work plan is the ones that we like. I work. I we plug into directly, and I do also sit on the Envision Athens. Uh, we have a planning industrial complex in Athens, and you're not part of it. I would say, from what I'm talking about, it's definitely not in Athens. This is yeah. obviously n nationwide. Oh yeah, no, statewide. no, of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and I think and, that, you know, I guess, you know, to pick up on something you said, like, I guess I would rather be in a area, since I'm not in Athens proper anymore, but, you know, in an area where they're not just phoning in plans, because that seems worse in my mind yeah. than not thinking about it and not doing anything and just kind of, you know, be best. And, <laughs> you and know, we've, it's not, and we, not enough. Yeah, we've been asking for that, though, because, I mean, I think the things that you bring up are a lot, not even like large plans, like everything, even small stuff was planned out to that ridiculous level 
and never followed through with. I mean, the downtown master plan here now. Right, yeah. Which, has anything <laughs> that happened? Not much. Yeah. Um, and at this point, it's pretty old. It's like seven years old now. It's yeah. like, how do you even really, it's not up to date. Um, so those kind of things, we have had uh, very explicit talks with staff about this commission's different when it comes to that. And this has already been happening. Like, we had the, uh, the Georgia Initiative for Community Housing Plan presented to us. And we wanted to know at that discussion, okay, what are the next steps? What are the next steps tomorrow? What are the next steps six months from now? What are the next steps five years from now? Where does this actually plug into the work that we want to do? How does this plug into that short-term work plan? So we're pushing on those things, I think, a lot more. Um, so I think the difference is, is that we're directing staff more when it comes to those plans. And I think that we have a mayor commission who um, is not willing just to spend money on a plan and then, you know, use it as a as a bookend on their shelf later on. That's all that happens to it. So yeah, yeah, and you know uh, that definitely seems better uh, in my mind because uh, you know I I would say you know a lot of our conversation last time I kind of feel like was us gauging what people's expectations were going to be of this mm-hmm. new convention commission because I feel like there's a lot of people who thought the you know People's Republic of Athens was nigh <laughs> and uh, we, we both were very skeptical of that and so I, I would say that this commission's basically met my expectations okay. which is the things that are kind of easy to change have been changed in, mm-hmm. in some extent you know because the things that basically the you know county has control over mm-hmm. you know because the buses are run by the county. Yeah. <laughs> so if you want to make some change about how right. you charge things, then you can do it and no one can stop you, yeah. basically. Yeah. And you know you don't really have to consult anyone else. And that, you know, with cash bail and some of those other mm-hmm. things, there's some other institutions, they have some movement on that. But like right. the bigger things that might involve state and even federal involvement yeah. are harder to do, yeah. uh, which I'm unsurprised by. Right. Uh, and, you know, the fact that, like, pog is not legal and being grown on the streets yeah. and, and that, you know, yeah. plastic bags still exist, yeah. uh, you know, uh, that's less surprising to me. Yeah. Well, pot is being grown and sold on the streets, but well, it's not, just not, not legally. legally. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, the, you know, we're not taxing it. <laughs> that's yeah. true. Yeah. That's true. I mean, and a lot of it. Uh, yeah, we have to get creative, and that's the thing. Yeah, yeah you're right. We're, you know, um, we have there's there's many layers of government above us here that have more power than us. So uh, the way I look at it is, I'm constantly looking for either the things that we the jurisdiction has been left to us. Thank you, generous overlords, you yes. know, for giving us some some local power. Um, or uh, what I really get excited about is uh, finding the things that they forgot to <laughs> check on, um, which I think is one of the things I'm better 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 at. So like looking for those creative solutions that we can get around. Uh, one of those being like true uh, marijuana, uh, cannabis decriminalization. It's been a bit of a struggle. Uh, our solicitor general here in Athens is is not uh, does not believe that he can legally take that step so that's been a bit of a hindrance although i'm still hoping that we will move towards a parallel ordinance but looking for that creative solution um i've been working with the solicitor on what could what could we do that he felt like was within his jurisdiction um and so we're looking into a pre-arrest diversion program um very different than a pre-trial we're talking about you get diverted from the criminal justice system before you're arrested so this diversion happens at the point of contact with law enforcement. Um, so how that would work is if somebody got uh, pulled over or found on the street with um, you know, an, an ounce of pot or less, um, they would be given the option to, right there on the spot, sign up for a pre-rest diversion program for, um, 
for low-level marijuana possession. And instead of having to, first, they wouldn't get arrested. Um, they wouldn't uh, have to go to court. They would take this slip, and they would go to probably our parole office and enter that diversion program, which that for that first uh, time at least would just be a $50 fine. Very similar, if not almost exactly the same as what a parallel ordinance would do. Um, but uh, the way it's better is that you never were arrested. You could be uh, interviewed or asked for a job later on. Have you ever been arrested for a drug offense? You could honestly say, no, I have not. I was not ever arrested for that. Students at UGA who have to report arrests for those kind of things wouldn't have to report this. You were never actually arrested. Keeps you out of the court, keeps you out of jail, uh, keeps you out of the back of a cop car. Um, this might so. be the first example of something that I could honestly describe as Casca-esque. That's good. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> this is a good Casca somehow. And no, it, yeah. it, it is. It is. And I, I, um, I, yeah, it takes a lot of explaining, which is, which is what I don't like about it, is it takes a lot of explaining of what yeah. it actually is before people uh, actually want to get, in, uh, get involved with it. But another great thing about it is that it can be expanded beyond that one offense. Um, this is something I would like to see us expand basically for all juvenile, um, you know, arrests how we're having now uh, for the most part so again we don't have to that, that would put a, a, a pretty good stop on the whole school to prison pipeline um because you're not arrested you would just simply enter this diversion program instead before you ever or are arrested um another thing with um infractions that deal with mental health episodes mental health issues we can have the pre-arrest diversion program you're not, you're not even going to the courthouse you're going to be going to the, instead you'll just go enter this program right away. You will, it'll be the quickest way to actually get people towards, um, you know, uh, mental health, uh, you know, uh, wherever they need services of any sort, because it'll be happening almost right away. Um, and again, we don't exasperate the situation by putting them in the back of a cop car, handcuffed, taking them to jail, having their photo taken, printed in the newspaper. You know, we get to avoid all those kind of things. So I'm, I'm, ex I'm excited about that. It's still a lot of things we're going to have to work out. We're going to be one of the first entities to actually even go this direction. But um, I think it's a great example of how we can very creatively, um, I don't want to say just like work around, I think it's more than that, but get to the goals and get to the, the community that we want to see with the limitations that are put in front of us. Yeah, because I think this is a very interesting issue because, you know, I, I worked with the public defender's office a little bit. Mm -hmm. and one, one thing that I was surprised to see just on the, like, periphery of that job, not even as part of that job, it seems in a way, like, not just Clark County because, you know, I, I talked to other people in other counties, but it just seemed like there's this element of, like, phoning in that, like, everyone mm -hmm. kind of had to do, I feel like, in the criminal justice. And then, so it was like, well, this is a crime, so we have to arrest you. So right. we're going to, you know, we're going to do that and put you in jail. But, like, there's all these ways that we're going to reduce your sentence because our jail's too full because we're yeah. arresting too many yeah. people. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's just like, is this something that's worth putting people in jailing? Is that as soon as they get there, right. everyone's basically like, so how can we get you out of here as quickly as possible? Yeah. Right. <laughs> like, on the administrative front, it seems, like, just so illogical if, yeah. every, you know, if... Because it, it doesn't seem like all the people that are there are in a position where everyone, it, you know, because like everyone in the system basically is like, how do we get them out fast? <laughs> right. And it was just so strange because right. it's like, we have to do this, but right. but it seems, you know, like we don't have yeah. to do it. But, I mean, it truly is yeah. the best example of like, a, it, it is a system. It is a system that's a machine that's so much larger than the individuals who are in it. And I think, yeah, I think it's about time that we start saying like, well, hold on, instead of like, climbing into this terrible system that we all agree is terrible um, or at least most of us agree yeah. is terrible 
why don't we just start looking for solutions outside the system and start building a system that's not terrible, you know? Um, and and uh, I think this is one of those steps in that direction. So Yeah, because yeah, especially on the mental health front, what I think there was that report that said, was it 40% of the Athens jail population had some mental health problem? I think, it's, I think it might be higher than yeah. 40. Yeah, yeah it, it is a very high. high, very high number. Um, yeah. yeah, exactly. And I mean, that, that's, that plays into it. And also, I mean, another problem that we have with our jail right now, the problem that I have at least, is that we use a um, a private healthcare provider in our jail. Oh yeah, I heard a lot of complaints yeah. about people not getting medication. Exactly, and just you know, like bare. You know, I mean, it's so strange too because you know, if you if your goal is that people should be in jail and that this is a way to reduce risk, mm-hmm. if there's people with mental health issues and they're not getting medication, it's yeah. like if there's one thing you see on Doctor Phil constantly, <laughs> take your meds. That's you it. Know, That's like, step one. Yeah, step you know? one. So yeah, it's you, like, yeah, you can have a person go into going to jail for some small infraction who's been on anti-anxiety medicine for their entire adult life, but they show up there, they are immediately cut off of that until that doctor who works for that private uh, medical company in that prison, they themselves can decide if that is a correct medicine that you should be on. Um, they do, I mean, so it's, it, 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 it's already, you know, so impactful, negatively impactful on those individuals to be in jail in the first place. It's like, how can we exasperate the situation? You know, let's take them off the medications they need too. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, there's there's a there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of reforms that need to happen. But I think the big thing is just starting to, uh, and I, I've heard this from a lot of people who actually work in the criminal justice system right now, just being happy that this commission, even though they know that it's limited in what its authority is, for this really sticking to that conversation, bringing up that conversation, because now it's we have other levels, like the solicitor, like the sheriff, we're having to talk about these issues now. Um, and of course, those are all elected officials, too, so it very much changes how their own uh, campaigns or elections are going to be talked about. So I, I think on a lot of those fronts, that's another one of those issues I think people aren't seeing as much change as they'd want to as quickly as they want to, but I'd say that it's, as me being inside this situation now, I think it's moving, it's definitely not moving as fast as it could, but close, close to as fast as it possibly could. Yeah, because, yeah. you know, it's it, that's one of those issues that I, in my estimation, I thought was going to be harder mm-hmm. for the commission to handle just because of the fact that Athens is a larger city and that we have a lot of challenges, uh, you know, in right. you know the sense that our population fluctuates dramatically mm-hmm. and it you know it's not just twice a year you know and the students come and the students leave but it's also like football games and stuff yeah. like that and so that just kind of puts a lot of i think unnatural stress on the right. law enforcement community in athens just having to like yeah. manage you know giant public events all right. the time kind of throws your yeah. game off i imagine you know i don't want to speak for them yeah. but if i i would guess right. they would say no, that's sure. a struggle yeah <laughs> you know? and also like just the yeah. number of law enforcement entities that we have ACCPD, Clark County Sheriff's Department, UGAPD. We have a state state patrol office in the county. Uh, Piedmont uh, University has their own few officers. Clark County School District has their own police department. Like all of these things that's layered yeah. on top of each other that you have to work with and check in with all these different different parties. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, there any other issues that we haven't hit on yet that we need to that you know we're we're missing? I'd say the, the other big one that I think is, has been a drastic change would be. Uh, how Splost was dealt with. Uh-huh. Um, I feel like I heard more about it yeah, this year. Yeah, in definitely. a good way. Yeah, and, and I think um, you know the the process was drawn out a little bit more. The public was involved more, um, which caused headaches also. 
I mean, we ended up having 88 projects, I think. Yeah. Um, because in the, in the past, we would the public was has always been allowed to submit projects, but it's a very difficult thing to figure out. I submitted some back when I was at Athens for everyone. We we um, submitted some, and it's a very lengthy process um, that most people couldn't figure out, but. Um, because of or advocacy organizations like Athens for Everyone, other ones like kind of working with people. Um, I mean, actually, I think shortly after I did the podcast previously with y'all, I worked with Athens for Everyone to actually have like some public how-to meetings, like how you can submit your own sports project. Um, maybe I regretted that, because <laughs> but, but um, I, at least a couple of them actually made it through, which was exciting. Um, but so we ended up having all of these ones that are presented by staff in the county, but also all these ones presented by just individuals and these organizations but therefore we had like a really diverse uh, group of projects and is it a perfect list that we ended up with not at all definitely some uh you know not not how i would have drafted it was up to me by myself but fantastic things i mean 45 million dollars to affordable housing i mean you know we talked about how four million dollars isn't like a lot when you put it down 45 million, you start to get more towards a number that you can actually really start to affect some change. Especially when it's on one project. Right. Not it's, split between exactly. a bunch of different ones. Exactly. Um, also, things like uh, like mobile health clinics that we can actually go into low-income areas and actually have uh, you know doctors uh, giving uh, medical help right there on the spot outside of people's homes. Um, so, stuff like that. Um Working, uh, one of the things I'm proudest of is with, uh, we got an arena coming with the Classic Center, which a lot of people weren't as happy with. It was probably the most contentious one. But we're able to get uh, actually a, a statement from Classic Center saying that any job directly created by that arena is going to be tied to the MIT living wage calculator paying a living wage for eternity, as long as this arena exists under the Classic Center. And also including um, affordable child care centers to be included in either the municipal buildings or the arena buildings that are going to be around there so we can actually have affordable quality childcare being provided in an area of town where there's not that many providers. So we got, again, like finding creative solutions, these ways that we've never thought of to hit on some of those bigger issues that are in those priorities and goals. Because, yeah, I mean, for all those big ambitious ideas for us to have this revolution in Athens, the only way it could have ever happened in, in eight months is if we had increased the property taxes by an astronomical amount, and uh, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> I'm pretty sure the mayor probably would have been vetoing stuff at that point. Probably. Yeah. But, uh, you know, and those things were just weren't possible. So we had to find these creative, smaller, uh, smaller solutions as we move forward that are going to get us there. But it's going to take time, and it's going to take not just us. It's going to take the public being, like, engaged and working with us on these things. Um, one of the things that I've been doing every month is holding my own district five town halls. We have every month we have three set commission meetings each on a Tuesday. There's four Tuesdays in a month or more. So on the fourth Tuesday, I always just hold my own meeting here in the district where we focus on an issue and talk about what's happened in the past month, get input, get questions answered. I bring staff, uh, comes with me. The manager comes with any of these things to answer questions too, and an open dialogue, which I think is missing um, from our government and also probably almost all levels of government. Like even if you come to our commission meeting or voting session, you get three minutes to talk and then don't count on us actually responding to what you want us to talk about, yeah. you know? Like you basically just get to talk, throw it into the void and see if anything happens. Uh, and these like kind of town hall meetings, it's a, it's a back and forth thing. You get to pose that question to me or to the county manager or to the transit director. And 
you get to expect and get a response from them right there on the spot. So I think that's changing up uh, that that accountability and that transparency, um, which I think is, again, the bigger issue here for us to get to that kind of government, that kind of community, that kind of world that we want. Those systematic problems that are in there like that with how government works and is expected to work, I think, has to be drastically changed. Yeah. And... That yeah, you know, that that project is one that you have a little more control over. So, right, so. it's true, it's true. Of course, you know nothing necessarily happens directly right out of it. But I mean, but a lot of times it does. I mean, I held one on Splost the a couple weeks before we took the final vote on Splost. We'd had this project over here in District Five, uh, the Tala the Road um, multi-use path was on there, and it had made it through the citizen advisory uh, recommendations up until the last round. They finally got chopped and didn't make the list. Well, I held this, this loss meeting in my district and about 30 people showed up. And at the end of it, I asked like, okay, what is the one project that, that, you, that you would have liked to see on here or that you are just happy to see is on here? Like, what is the one? And about half the room said, that Tallahassee Road multi-use path, like that was the thing that I was most excited about with Sploss that I feel like we need the most on this side of town. It was a larger response than I thought. I knew I'd hear a little bit about it, but like half the room and people were talking passionately about it. And it's something I believed in, but I was kind of like, oh, I didn't make it. After that, I was like, all right, this has to, this has to be on there. This is what my, this is what the people in my district want, what they need. Um, so I was able to work with uh, my other commissioners in the, kind of the last, in the last few days to get that project funded and put back onto the SPLOS list. You know, so to me, that is a fantastic example of the people it's the way it's supposed to work, right? I'm the representative. I'm not always going to do exactly the bidding that people talk tell me about, but if I all of a sudden see there's some kind of issue going on and there's a real need and desire for my constituents, then it gets moved up to me, and I move it up to the next level. And I feel like it happened the way it's kind of supposed to happen, the way this whole democracy thing was dreamed up to be. Yeah, well, that that makes sense to me, and you know, it seems like uh, a good example. I'm kind of, I've kind of been surprised that no one's been copying you on the town hall thing. I am too. Yeah. <laughs> you had a good idea. I'll no go one on, else is stolen it. I'll go on the record right now and say that one is up for grabs. Any other take it. I'll help you set it up. I'll give you the things I've been using my templates. You can yeah. Yeah. I would love to see it happen across the entire county. Yeah, so so what I what I think I, I've taken from this conversation is we are not gonna see the all income you know, compensating uh, plan for Athens Clark County in you know New Deal fashion of <laughs> like everything y'all are gonna do, but you know taking that kind of off the table, what what is your expectation like you know eight years from now like what's the gonna be like the big key headline differences of Athens Clark County if you're comparing the two? Um, I what I'm hoping for is gonna be definitely in housing, um, with our focus with the SPLOS, but also us uh, revisiting our zoning maps, our zoning code. I think it's it's by far time that we revisited that. Um, and we've actually asked the Planning Commission to give us some more recommendations on that that we'll be moving forward with next year. But we need to uh, be finding more tools where we can encourage the creation of more affordable housing here. Uh, we need to look at uh, better codes so that we can be doing density, but making sure that density that we're creating isn't just for the, the highest income class here in Athens. Yeah, because, you know, for people that aren't as familiar with Athens, like, what's sort of, like, the top-line zoning issues, like, in g very general, you know? Um, so we have, uh, basically, we have a massive housing shortage, which, again, is not something that's necessarily just here for Athens. And the housing that is being created 
is um, almost exclusively upper middle class to luxury housing that's being created. And the idea, of course, that like, oh, well, the housing that's already existed will just trickle down. It's, it's just not happening because we are at such a shortage. What's not the, the, the prices are still going up. We're, incre- we're increasing our housing stock slowly um, and definitely not fast enough to actually you know, to, to reach the demand that's being made. So people, the, the workforce of Athens, the people who are lower middle class and low income, which is a, a large, if not the majority of Athens residents with us having a 38% poverty rate here, um, they're being pushed into unacceptable housing or actually even sometimes being pushed outside of our county lines. We're a very small county into bordering counties to have to live there, but then still drive in every single day for work and for groceries and for their needs. So we need we need to be uh, finding a way to encourage that that diversity of, of housing to be created, um, while still encouraging the density that we are slowly getting to. Um, but also we have to like, I don't think we're gonna ever figure out like exactly how to solve this. But the whole NIMBY issue that we want density, uh, everybody wants density until the density's on their block or the block right. next to them, and then people aren't as big of fans about density. And I understand it's a personal issue, um, but we have to we have to look at those things. I think I want us to be looking at uh, finally having a zoning code that allows tiny houses, since that's a desirable thing here too, and that uh, something that's encouraging more affordable rental properties, which is something we have a massive shortage of, a lot of it because we have this huge influx every year of students coming here, eating up our housing, and usually having quite a bit of money to spend on housing. So therefore, the the rental properties that are there aren't really being catered to low-income or working families right um so it's a it's i think it's a, it's just this it's this really perfect mix of a problem that we have that's going to take some really i think creative and complex uh, solutions uh we have a study as we come <laughs> back to the jordan initiative for community housing that actually brings up a lot of those recommendations uh one of them is to have an income-based homestead exemption put in place um, so something I'm proposing uh, and uh, we'll be talking about next uh, month with our local state legislators, because we have to work through the state legislators to do this, is to create a homestead exemption that will freeze people's property taxes, homeowners' property taxes, if they are at the 150% or lower of the federal poverty guidelines. Because um, what we're seeing a lot is, is gentrification happening in, in some of our uh, you know, poor neighborhoods and some of our historic black neighborhoods being drastically changed very quickly, frighteningly quickly. And a lot of these people um, being kind of you know, forced out of their homes, they can't, they can't live in these neighborhoods anymore. Um, so this would be one of those ways for us to combat the gentrification, plus to make sure, especially a lot of these older residents who've been living in those communities and their families are able to afford to stay there. Yeah, and any other you know, big changes in Athens, do you think? You know, I think we're I think we're going to get uh, I think we're going to get more bold, and that's one of the big things I think I've been trying to push for. I think what is one of the one of the changes that people are going to see more. I mean, like that resolution we passed yesterday, uh, denouncing white supremacy, taking some of those bolder stands. I think that the commission hasn't been as willing to do in the past. Um, finding um, some real leverage points that we can encourage living wages to be uh, paid here by our employers uh, in Athens, including uh, by the University of Georgia. Uh, one of the things I'm pushing forward on that is for us to move our fire service that is right now paid for through property taxes, move that to a fire service fee, which is something that we can do here in the state of Georgia. And a fee is not the same as taxes, 
So I literally um, just read that in my right? public financial administration class. There you go. It's different, yep. right? Yeah, it's different. <laughs> so, uh, so uh, entities such as the University of Georgia, nonprofits like that, would be paying for those fees. So it, I think it's a great thing that we'd be moving the entire burden of fire service that's being paid for by our homeowners. And but of course, the University of Georgia owns a lot of property yeah. and a lot of buildings. And guess who provides the fire service for that? Athens Clark County. So by moving that fee off of that, we'll be actually be able to get some revenue for those services from the University of Georgia and other um, state and nonprofit entities, um, and at the same time alleviating some of the pressure that's on um, that's on the populace. And we can use that fire service fee uh, and the way it's implemented as a potential leverage point to try to encourage uh, maybe EGA to pay fifteen dollars an hour to all employees. Yeah. Um, so finding the, creatively finding those leverage points that we can do, and I think it's going to take some um, bold initiatives, something that for uh, the athens Clark County Mayor Commission to realize its power, to realize the expectations by our populace and the policies they want to see, um, and using those cre- leverage points creatively to, to make it happen. Yeah, my, my last policy question mm-hmm. is, you know, the obligatory Luke Boggs question. The brain train, where is it? Yeah. <laughs> is it coming? <laughs> um, so, all right. That's a. There is a um, a Republican-sponsored state bill that will change the way TSPLOST, uh transportation special purpose local option sales tax, uh, how it can be implemented, and how it can be collected uh, by individual counties, but also by counties that could team up together to bring yes, in revenue. Yes, aware of this. Yes. Yeah. And um, it also allows uh, TSPLOST to be collected for operations of said transit systems, too, which is very different than the way TSPLOST exists now. Mm-hmm. Um, so I bring that up because I'm excited about that because that's that also be a great tool for us to be able to move towards fare-free transit and to really expand transit system throughout Northeast Georgia. And I think eventually is the kind of steps and tools that we're going to need for us to make the brain train ever a reality. I mean, I'm just going to just be, just be realistic here, you know? Luke, we're not going to have the brain train oh, in the next two years. I know <laughs> yeah. you know. I know you know. Yeah. I know you know. Uh, it's one of those things, like, I believe if I just keep asking people, think, eventually they will say yes. Keep, I mean, if there's one thing I believe, you got to control the narrative. So, yeah, yeah. keep bringing it up because otherwise it'll never happen. Um, yeah, but I think, it, I think it definitely has to happen. Why, why spend all of this money? I mean, obviously, 316, our major route to Atlanta for, for cars and trucks, obviously that needs to be taken care of and done. But why spend all that money explicitly on there when we could instead be moving a lot of that traffic away onto a more efficient use, like a train that could be going to Atlanta faster? Um, you know, so I think that that would be a better use of at least a good portion of that revenue. But yeah, I, 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 cer- I certainly, I certainly think so. Uh-huh. Um, but no, to uh, to wrap us up here, the uh, the last uh, question I have for you before I do what I always do and ask make you ask me a question. But mm. my last question for you is, you know. You ran as like the most activisty person, mm-hmm. I feel like, probably on this, you know, current commission and that you kind of had some time in the wilderness since you ran for mayor and lost and you know, started yeah. Athens for everyone, like you were kinda of like in that. And so what I would wonder is now that you've had some time on the commission and you're part of the government and you're part of the planning industrial complex, <laughs> you know, uh, what like what do you see is like what do you think is gonna happen to like not just Athens for everyone, but just, like, this sort of, like, leftist movement mm. in Athens. You know, where does it go? Because it's sort of like we won the war in a way, and, right. that, you know, the commission basically is unquestionably aligned with mm. those goals, even if it's not, like, 
making them all happen instantaneously. They're, yeah. They're all aligned with them, at least. Um, I, it's definitely something that we have to figure out how to sustain. Um, it's it's difficult. I know me and you have had a conversation uh, off mic before about how um, I, I had talks with a number of other people who kind of created some, uh, like, radical community organizations, especially in the South, and I was always told that... Um, these things have and like the the lifespan can be up to five years they can they can leave for five years but really after that they they fall apart you don't see them really existing past five years um half happy to say that athens forever one just passed its five-year anniversary last month but we definitely need for us to have these long-term goals uh to create again like i, re- I use phrases like you know to create the community the world that we want because i i believe this thing called transformative organizing which is um how athens forever one for the most part usually worked so you have the idea of the the ultimate world that you want to see, the Athens that we want to see. Imagine it as something that has universal health care, that has quality child care available to every single child who needs it, um, that pays uh, living wages to all. Poverty um, is, hell, poverty is 0% at that point, you know. This is this world that we want to see. Everybody uses public transit. We don't need cars anymore. <laughs> we can make really dense, dense cities because we're all using public transit, you know. Um, Think about that, that that radical world that we want to see, and then looking where we're at and kind of uh, imagining and, and seeing what that, that, that road looks like to there for all the different issues that we're working on, and then coming up with what are the the little stops along the way, the, the success and the victories along the way that we, we're going to have to get to that will get us to that eventually. So you can always check to make sure, like, the thing we're working on right now, does it is it a step to, towards that world? You know, uh, wanting fair free transit for everyone uh, is having fair free for all uh, disabled people and all seniors a step along their way. Yes, it is. So we always check back in on that. And the reason it's so important to sustain this, though, is that we need to have somebody that's always keeping and updating that vision of that world that we want to see. We need to have those people on the ground working to grassroots organizations, working with their neighbors to keep that pressure going. Um, I mean, I need that pressure because it, it, it helps me you know, actually do the things I'm trying to do. And it also helps push, uh, you know, my cohorts along that path also. Um, I think the most dangerous thing that can happen, something I've been fearful of happening and has maybe come to reality a little bit, but not definitely not fully, I think we're still doing pretty well, is people elect, people like myself and these organizations, they get us elected and they're like, all right, job done, got it. They're in the office now. We can, we can go, we can, now we can go home. Um, and that happens a lot of places, you know? I mean, it's I think, unarguably what happened with Obama's campaign. I was going to say exactly the same as exactly yeah. what happened to Obama. Um, it, it turned into, instead of being, yes, we can, it's, yes, Obama can. And yeah. then Obama couldn't by himself, you know? Um, so I think that's the, that's the big danger we have to avoid. And um, it, it, it's, it's, uh, it's tiring, but it's just it's the honest truth. This is the long game. Like there's no there's a there's a great organizing book out uh, that's I can't remember the woman who wrote it but it's called No Shortcuts. There's just no shortcuts. This if if we're gonna actually create this more equitable world that we want to see and that we need to see that cares for others, um, it's gonna take working every single day and we need lots of people working because we all need some days off. You know, it yeah. can't be just a few. Um, and uh, so I think that is. Um, Honestly, more important than me being in office or Mariah Parker being in office or Russell Edwards or any of these, more important than all of that is having uh, active people in, on the ground in their communities demanding their communities and their elected leaders to be better. 
Um, and if you don't have that part, then I mean, that's when hope's gone. I mean, we, don't, we don't have those people, those people showing up anymore. Yeah. Well, I think that's a good uh, place to wrap our, up our conversation. So, as I always end with, uh, what what question do you have for me? Okay. <laughs> if, if you if you were if you were in office, oh god! Uh, if you were if you were in if you were in my seat, would would you would you raise property taxes? What's the current property tax rate? Uh, we're at seventeen point one four mils or something like that. But yeah, I I'm saying I'm saying to get, to get things done. Uh, would you? I I would I would want that bigger plan first. Like mm-hmm. I would want to have a very clear idea of where that money was going, mm-hmm. you know, because like if that if you know it's like we can you know make transit fare free and you know expand our routes and like do a couple other projects that are towards like the big things that we think would fix the problems in Athens, Clark. Like, yeah, is it gonna go? You know, if it's gonna go to a bigger jail, like no, no. Sure. like you know, it's like I'm not gonna do that. Right. But you know, or you know, bigger courthouse. Like, I don't really yeah. care about that. So I, I would need like that plan because i think you know it's always like the yes and with me and that you know it's like (laughs) i'm willing to do you know it's like i'm willing to do a lot of things if i know what it's gonna go for so you know i don't feel like and maybe i'm wrong i think adams clark county has a lot of non-money based problems right now like i think there's a lot of policy problems and i think you gotta have to like work those out first before Mm -hmm. you can really feel confident that if you get more money, it's going to help. Yeah. You know, because, like, I feel like when I was going through education in Georgia, that, like, more money was actually the answer. Because when you're saying the problems are we don't have enough teachers and Mm. we don't have enough physical space to house all these human beings, like, Mm. both of those problems are only solved by money. Right. You have to hire more people and build more stuff. So unless you're going to get, like, a lot of volunteer labor, (laughs) you know, like, that's the only way you solve those problems. And, you know, like, healthcare is an instance that Mm -hmm. I don't think money is the answer either. Uh, mm-hmm. In well, in, you know, directly in the sense that you know, right. obviously, like Medicare for all would cost more money. Yeah, but right, right, you know, right. like it's a policy change. Yeah, yeah there's policy happen, changes that need to happen, right. and more throwing more money at it won't fix it by itself. Yeah. So that that's sort of how I how I view that, and at least right now, I don't think the primary problems in Athens are purely money based, and I don't think just raising more revenue. Uh, by raising taxes would fix the bigger right. problems. And I feel like what I would be concerned about, especially from this commission, is that not even on purpose, but that would be viewed as a band aid. And that mm-hmm. like, oh look at all this new all these new programs and projects and right. look at all these cool things we're doing and then like all that other stuff, the gentrification it's and still the lack of right. it's still right. happening getting worse yeah. and everyone can kinda like hide behind that. Yeah. So that would be my concern. Funny tidbit on the on the, the schools just need more money for that. This, you know, state keeps cutting uh, education funding or limiting it. School boards have a cap on how much money they raise for property taxes. They yeah. cap out at twenty mils. At Clark County's been tapped out for a while. Clark County can't raise more revenue, so it like has to get uh, more revenue through the state, and that's just not happening. So yeah. It's a scary situation. Yeah. Well, on that depressing note. <laughs> well, uh, hey, was, you know. yeah, yeah. You know, the work's still, you know, no shortcuts. Yeah, we, we gotta keep working. So, there you go. all right, Tim, thank you for being on the show, and uh, it's good to always talk to you. Yeah, thanks for having me. That's our show for the week. If you like what you heard, share the show with a friend, and go over to iTunes and give us a rating or a review. It really helps other people find our show. 
We'll be back with another episode of Peach Pod next week. Until then, take care, y'all. Thank you.